welcome to Inside Rugby League, the podcast brought to you by the Yorkshire Evening Post. I'm Richard Byram and joining me on the line again this week as usual is my colleague Peter Smith. Peter's the Yorkshire Evening Post Chief Rugby League Writer. Although sadly once again this week, not a great deal to write about Peter in terms of action. <laughs> that's, uh, that's true Rich. Yeah, um, there have been a couple of snippets of news, um, not very surprising the announcement that the Ashes series has been cancelled. We've been saying for, for weeks that that was inevitable. Yes. Um, and the RFL and the Australians have bounced the inevitable and called that off. They say that they're looking at rescheduling for 2022 onwards. So um, don't hold your breath. Obviously, there's a World Cup next year, yeah. but no firm commitment yet for the Aussies to... Um, to come over in 2022, which is a real shame. I've, I've been looking forward to the Ashes. Um, I think everybody in the um, the English game had been, and it would have been a, a good warm-up and a good test for um, the New England coach, Sean Wayne, his squad, a year out from the World Cup. He's now going to have to find some other way of preparing his, um, his squad. I, I think... A lot of it will depend on how long this Super League season goes on for. If we're playing to um, January, he's not really going to have chance for um, for too many get-togethers ahead of um, of next year's World Cup, which has to be a concern. But he's he's saying that there's no excuses. He'll make the best of um, of whatever time he's he's given. But it's not ideal preparation, and it's not ideal for the game either. Um, the Ashes would have would have brought in a lot of money. Um, three big venues have been chosen. It's going to be live television coverage and it creates a lot of interest. So it's a real shame, but um, it has been inevitable. Yes, well, I think it's we've said it several times on here, haven't we, that it was going to fall, especially once they reorganised the state of origin, which, as you've emphasised several times in recent weeks, is of more importance to the Australian game than actual international matches. And yes. uh, obviously, as well, we've said that that's a great shame. You know, uh, everybody wants to see a strong international game, uh, whichever sport you follow. Really, it's it's like the pinnacle, and always good to see players from the best players from other countries too. As you say, I, I enjoy the end of season international games. It's a nice way of rounding the season off, and good chance again to see some decent players or players from your clubs representing either England or one of the other nations involved. So, you know, it is a shame. It would have been nice to go down to Allen Road and see the Aussies. It's such a rarity as well. You know, it really becoming a bit of a generational thing almost, isn't it? That you, you know, you really <laughs> catch them this time because we don't know when it will be again. Um, yeah, that, that's exactly right. Um, there's there's nothing like a, an Ashes Test match in any sport, really. No, no. Particularly rugby league, it's it's always a big attraction, um, and and I think the whole game here was was looking forward to it. Um, let's just hope that we do manage to get a tour rearranged for 2022 or as soon as possible after that, because the, as you say, the game needs international competition. It creates headlines. It creates interest. Um, and it's the sort of thing that rugby league desperately needs, um, particularly at a time like this when the, the sport's low on cash. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's a heck of a long period as well for Sean Wayne to be without a game. And, and another suggestion was the exiles, would we say? Um, possibly the players 
from who who don't play in England at the moment taking on an English side as a kind of warm up game. If it, again it can be fitted in, it's it's how how you can fit it in. It's, it seems a long time away, but with the way the seasons are going, there isn't going to be that many free weekends, is there? Between now and the World Cup. There isn't, no. I think at the moment it's looking like the best you can hope for really is a mid-season test yeah. next year. Um, but we'll have to see. I mean, he's hoping to do something at the end of this season, maybe against the Exiles. But I suppose that might be possible if there was a, a November grand final. But December or um, January would, would make it impossible. And I think if the players have been playing three games a week, up until November, then they can want um, they're going to want a rest yes. before um, before next season. Maybe something could be fitted in abroad before the start of the 2021 season, whenever that is. But um, at the moment, until we know the dates, it's going to be very hard for anyone to organise um, to organise anything. It is indeed, and again, as I've said several times on this podcast, it's a problem I'm glad I don't have to solve. <laughs> um, but it'd be interesting to see what ideas people do come up with. Uh, obviously want to do well at the World Cup and again that might be a shot in the arm for the international game that might then roll on and persuade the Aussies to come sometime after that let's hope so yeah the, that would certainly be um, be ideal if we can get them over here as, as soon as, as possible and, um, and then obviously beat them yes it, um, I was actually earlier looking up the date of the third test in 1970, which is the last time um, Great Britain won the Ashes, 4th of July 1970. Right. Um, so 50 years, just over a month um, until the 50th anniversary of, of that. It's, <laughs> it's far too long, isn't it? It's time we, um, it we got, got back at them and, and really made international rugby league competitive again. Um, Great Britain won, unfortunately, last year, were they? Losing all the, the games on tour, um, including losing to PNG and Tonga, but um, the strength of of um, the strength of the game in Tonga certainly, or the international game, is showing that you know that there is now more scope for international rugby league. There are more competitive nations, and, and we need more of it. Yes, yeah, I'd agree with that. Uh, it got me thinking this week. Even you know, could we? I don't suppose it'd be possible. You almost feel like wanting to cut the Aussies off and everybody else <laughs> go it alone. You know, if New Zealand want to come over and play, fair enough, and try and develop the game in the Northern Hemisphere more. Uh, but again, it's the actual number of players playing, I suppose. You, you have to be at a certain level to make those games competitive, don't you? Well, some people have said um, that perhaps we should just get on without the Aussies, but I don't think that's realistic. They're the standard bearers. Um, they're what everyone aspires to it's where the best players come from and most players come from um, I think rugby league has to work together as an entire sport rather than be um, be fracturing off into into different factions that's happened far too much in the past but certainly it would be great to see more um, interest shown by the Australians in the international game Yeah, uh, just going on from that, Sean Wayne had some interesting comments this week. He was saying about the fact that he didn't think the NRL was quite as all it was cracked up to be. And I think George Williams, his former Wigan player, had received a lot of praise for his performance at the weekend for Canberra against Melbourne. And 
uh, Wayne was saying if he'd played like that for Wigan, he'd have been into him. <laughs> yeah, he, he did say that. Yeah, I've actually done my um, my column for this week's um, for Thursday's Evening Post on that subject, right. on the subject of the Aussies and, and a lack of respect, really, in the Aussie game for um, for Super League. I think Sean was over-egging it a little bit, but he's right. Pe- people in Australia were talking about who's, who's this kid, where's he emerged from? But um, George Williams has played 179 games for Wigan. Yes. Um, played in four grand finals and been capped 10 times by England. So he's he, he's not really an overnight <laughs> sensation. It, it just shows their lack of interest, really, yes. in the game over here. He's gone over there to uh, to the NRL and had one go- good game. And he's an overnight um, overnight star. Where in, in fact, people who know about the world game have, have rated him for, for a very long time. Interesting thoughts by Sean. He's not he's not scared to take the Aussies on in any shape or form. I think he's going to be good for for England. I think he's good in the media. He's a good character. He's got a personality, and um, I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do. Yeah, I think he's one of these. Probably, if if he was coaching your team, you know, you'd want him on your side, kind of thing. I know Wigan aren't everybody's cup of tea, but there's no doubt he was a great success there. And as you say. He knows how to press the button, like to get a bit of publicity, and to wind the Aussies up a bit. And it made me smile, you know, that he was, you know, and pleased as well that he was sticking up for the British game. But also, I thought, you know, that'll that'll bounce down under, and it'll give him something to think about. Um, and it was interesting that he was felt that our best players can stay here and be just as good. Yeah, um, well, I mean, the NRL is a better competition. Um, every everybody. Um, everybody would accept that, but there are good players over here, and, and the Aussies are finding that out. But it's just a shame that they have to go and play in the NRL to to prove it. Yes. Um, say George Williams didn't last weekend. He played very well, but he didn't really do anything. He hasn't done. But Wigan over the last, um, I think it's seven years, he spent in Wigan's first team. Yeah. So one in the eye for the Aussies. We'll take that anyway. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that might be the only chance we get. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just going on from there, Peter, in the last few weeks we've been talking about favourite players in favourite positions. Uh, again, unfortunately not too much to talk about in the current game, so maybe a look back at some of the players that we've enjoyed watching over the last few years and, and further back, not just for Leeds, Castleford and Wakefield, but uh, other teams as well. Yeah, I think we were going to talk about wingers this week, weren't yeah. we? Um, I mean, if you... If you're a Leeds fan, um, certainly had some some great wingers over the years, uh, dating back to the the 1930s and earlier. And one of the one of the all time greats played for Leeds throughout the 1930s, well, from 1930 to, to 39. And that was Eric Harris, yes. who um, came over and, and scored a remarkable 392 tries in um, 383 appearances. That's a Leeds record which is, is I think it's safe to say never going to be um, no. never going to be beaten it's incredible um, he was he was sort of the first one of the first real superstars of Leeds Rugby League they've, they've had some other great wingers Drew Turnbull Scottish international who, who came over and, and also had a phenomenal try scoring record 228 in 230 appearances Yes. In the forties and fifties, I know people who saw Drew play rate him very highly. Um, 
Wolf Rosenberg, South African, the flying dentist. Flying dentist, he, right. Yeah, he, he <laughs> came over to, well, they don't have nicknames like that nowadays, do they? No, they don't. <laughs> he came over to, um, to Leeds to um, study medicine at Leeds University. Um, had a, a fairly brief spell at, um, at Leeds from 59 to, to 61, but played in the first championship winning team in 1961, 73 tries in 81 appearances. Uh, the first couple of great wingers for Leeds that I really remember seeing were Alan Smith and um, John Atkinson, which must be up there as, as one of the finest wing pairings in Leeds' history and, and yeah. maybe in the game. I mean, they were both very durable. Um, Alan Smith played from 62 to 83, scored 283 tries. Um, and John Atkinson is second to going this with 340 from 65, 66 through to 81, 82. Um, sadly died the other year, but a, a glorious winger to watch, a, a gliding style could cut through any sort of defence. Different now to the modern modern wingers with these aerial finishes and, and based on power, but a great player to watch. And then, of course, more recently, um, I always enjoyed watching Marcus Bay play in the yes. Super League era. He, he was fantastic fun to watch as a as a winger. Marcus would rather run over people than go, go around them. Um, Ryan Hall, I think probably the best English winger of the Super League era, big, um, maybe not quite the fastest, but very, very powerful and absolutely outstanding um, finisher and his international records are virtually a try a game, which is outstanding. So um, certainly in recent um, years and, and even further in the past, Leeds have had some great wingers at the club and I think it's always a, a key position, isn't it? It's, the, it's one of those positions that, that gets people excited um, yeah. and, and they're the sort of players that, that people pay good money to see. They are indeed. Uh, I'll be honest with you, I've done a bit of a more, a more wider look at, at the wingers I like. Um, personally speaking, I used to play on the wing in, in rugby union, so wing wing players always been a keen interest of mine in both codes. And I've, I've, I've always enjoyed watching um, great wingers play, and as you, as you say, I think we've discussed on this show in the past John Atkinson was my first rugby league hero, really, uh, largely because of the fact that games were on grandstand uh, in the second when they used to show the second half of games, and quite often sit down and watch those before the football results came in. And as you say, he seemed to be a guy who was always involved and always scored uh, lots of tries. And I think there's something a bit more elegant about a left winger as well. I don't know. <laughs> um, you know, a guy I always really, you know, when I was a kid, I wanted to be John Atkinson. Um, and I ended up playing on both wings myself during my inauspicious career. But, uh, you know, always always a great player to watch. And probably the next guy who came along after John, who really caught me, I know, that, I know there's dozens and dozens you could choose from, but Martin Afire um, came up from. London, I believe, did he, to, to play for Widnes first and then uh, moved to Wigan for a huge amount of money and was part of their Challenge Cup winning team 
um, all the times they won at Wembley. Again, a very elusive player, very quick a fire. I mean, his, again, his record speaks for itself, but you'd be thinking, why don't you just tackle a fire, you know? And it, but he just had that ability to kind of bend his back and get away from people. And, you know, having played a bit of rugby myself, it's very hard to get hold of someone when they do that. You know, you're kind of left grasping at air all the time. And that's what a fire seemed to do to get round people. And then he'd straighten up and go and it always oh, exciting to watch scored some brilliant tries at Wembley and uh, you know get a, got a great ambassador for the game as well and uh, a more modern player obviously from Wakefield I know personal favourite of yours and mine Tom Johnston who I think would get into any list at any any time in the game I mean that guy's Highlights reels, incredible <laughs> the number of spectacular diving tries he's scored in his career. Um, some players would be lucky to maybe only get one or two of those in their career, but Tom seems to have made a habit of getting one every other week. And uh, it... yeah, I, I, I'm glad you mentioned Tom. I, I, he's he's probably my favourite current player playing in. In Super League, he's just—he's an excitement machine. Yeah, he gets the ball. Everybody sits up and, and takes notice and waits to see what's what's going to happen. Yeah, um, he's still young. He's had two ACLs. Been very unlucky with um, with injury, but when he gets an injury-free run, he's going to score a lot of tries, and he's he's going to become a, a big name in in rugby league, in my my opinion. Yeah, player. It's it's great for Wakefield that that they've got. A more long-term contract because um, I know a lot of other clubs are going to be looking at him. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's a great testament to Michael Carter and Wakefield that they've managed to keep hold of him all this time because kind of at the end of every season, you almost expect one of the, supposed bigger clubs to come in and take him away. And again, the thing with Tommy is how on earth do you defend against the guy who's got speed but can also finish like that? You know, he just come. He can either go around you, under you, or over you, <laughs> and and he puts it down on a sixpence. I mean, some of the tries that they, you know, when they slow it right down, and you know, on the TV replays to see whether his foot was in touch or his hand had gone out of play or had touched the corner flag or whatever, and it's incredible the the space he gets <laughs> down in. And it, as you say, somebody who, again, fans of all clubs know, and uh, you know, great great guy to watch, and. Going back a little bit further, Leslie Vinacolo and Tavita Vicona, who played at Bradford Bulls. Um, again, Vinacolo was just a an absolute bullock, wasn't he? He was so hard to, to stop. I remember seeing one of his first games at Halifax, where I think it's fair to say that they're not over fond of Bradford at Halifax. And uh, But Vinacolo had the home fans on their feet that day. You know, they just... They couldn't wait to see what he was going to do next because when people seemed to try to tackle him, they bounced off him. And then he had this tremendous burst of speed for a, a guy who was probably built more like a traditional forward, wasn't he? Uh, big Les, as they called him. But uh, once he got going again, it, it was impossible to stop him. And by corner on the other wing, I always found a, a, a lovely player to watch, a great speed machine. If you give, gave him the ball... Uh, you know, wherever on the field, if he got if he got round or through, it was generally a try. And um, just some of the other guys again we've mentioned in recent weeks. Uh, I think one of the things the versatility of players now, Frano Batica, Jonathan Davis, Jason Dimitriou, all had spells on the wing. They're all great players on the wing, and 
Um, memories of Leroy Rivette's four tries at Wembley as well. Uh, an example again of how a winger can steal the headlines on on a big day and, and leave his impression on the... I know he didn't go on to have a particularly long history at Leeds, but, you know, part of the fabric of the club for that achievement alone. Exactly, yeah. It's interesting that the last um, three times Leeds have won the Challenge Cup, a winger's been Lance Top Trophy winner each time. Yeah. Uh, Leroy his four tries. Uh, Ryan Hall got a couple against Castleford. And then, um, of course, Tom Briscoe with his five. Of course, yeah. yeah. The about that. The apologies, Tom. Yeah, five tries in a game. That's it. You know, even more incredible. Yeah, to do it in in a cup final, certainly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> certainly, yeah. yeah, yeah. And again, Scott Donald, another Leeds player who I think we mentioned the other week. Uh, I always enjoyed watching Scott play for Leeds. Good finisher, and uh, all these players, as you say, bring excitement and the crowds to the game. Uh, not always loved by the forwards, I know. <laughs> Especially if they spent a long time winning the ball and then it all goes wrong out on the wing. But uh, hey ho, we we score more than we drop, so that'd be my argument. <laughs> it's like a truth, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, that was interesting. Anyway, Peter, thank you. Uh, good to look back at a few players there. Maybe do the same for centres next week. Yeah, that would be interesting. I think of some good. Uh, Good centres have played for uh, for our clubs over the years. Yeah, definitely. But I think for now, um, probably wrap it up there, Peter, for this week. And uh, I obviously, hope everyone out there is still taking care and keeping well. And uh, thank Peter again for his time. Once again, you can get hold of the latest news and information at my Twitter handle at Richard Byron Yep or at Peter's at Peter Smith Yep. Or, of course, the Yorkshire Evening Post uh, Sports Desk handle at YEP Sports Desk and the Yorkshire Evening Post website www.yorkshireeveningpost.co.uk for all the very latest news on the coronavirus and all the sports news, including the very latest rugby league uh, from Peter seven days a week. But for now, we'll leave it there. And thank you all for listening, and we'll be back soon. Thank you.